Judges 21, we'll read one verse, verse 25. In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Several times in the book of Judges it mentions that there was no king in Israel and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. But it shouldn't come as a surprise because Israel up to this point had never had a king. So was that really a requirement to doing right? Because if you go back one book to the book of Joshua, you'll realize that in Joshua, Israel was doing that which was right. In Joshua, we see Israel's walking by faith. In Judges, Israel's walking by sight. In Joshua, they were conquering. In Judges, they were being conquered. In Joshua, the children of Israel, the people of God, were moving forward. In the book of Judges, they were moving backward. In Joshua, they were enjoying God's blessing. In the book of Judges, they were suffering the consequences of their bad decisions. In Joshua, they were following God's plan. In Judges, they were devising uh, their own plans. What was the difference in Israel from the time of Joshua to the time that we see and read about here in Judges? Every man was doing that which was right in his own eyes. Now, here's my question tonight, because we're seeing across the nation this repeated that every man is doing that which is right in his own eyes. And now people can commit abortion and actually feel like they're doing the right thing. Participate in adultery and fornication and homosexuality and actually feel good about themselves while they do that. This world has always done exactly that. They've done that which was right in their own eyes. They molded their conscience to their desires and they feel no grief or remorse for the sin that they've committed because they've convinced themselves that their opinion or their feeling, their desire is actually the right thing to do. Now, that's something you'd expect to see in the world because that's what we call humanism. Wasn't that the first sin? Didn't Eve do just that? She went out and did that which was right in her own eyes. Satan convinced her what you're going to do in taking of the fruit of that tree is simply become enlightened and God doesn't want you to become as wise as he is and he convinced Eve, listen, if you do that, that's not the wrong thing. That's actually a good thing. And when she went out and took that forbidden fruit, she was doing that which was right in her own eyes. Now, sadly enough, this is most of Christianity in 2013. We have so strayed from this book and because... The average Christian doesn't read this book on a daily basis. It's hard to be guided by the Word of God. Let me just say this. You do have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit if you're saved. But the Holy Spirit has to have the Word of God to work with. So if you're not filling yourself with the Holy Spirit, here's what will happen. You'll soon form an opinion because man is proud. Soon form an opinion and be guided by his own opinions, his own logic his own human reasoning and declare that to be right if you traveled from church to church and place to place you'll find religious people 
all across this planet and everyone doing something different. And the majority, totally convinced, they're right. Now, surprisingly enough, if you ask these people how many have read their Bibles five or six times, you'd find the percentages are extremely low. So what they're doing is not actually biblical. It's called logical. They can justify any verse you bring out. They can twist it, misread it, misquote it, and still defend themselves because really it doesn't boil down to what does the Word of God say. Now, here's what I want to ask you tonight. Do you really want a king? And if you want a king in your life, who do you want to be on the throne? Because here's what they were saying. We are rejecting God as our king because they had never known a democracy. All they'd ever known is a theocracy with God ruling them. And as long as God was their ruler, things were working out well. Hadn't God led them through the desert, provided their needs, taken them into the promised land, helped them conquer cities that were unconquerable like Jericho? But at every turn, they were hoping to replace Almighty God as king with someone who appealed more to their logic and human reasoning. Look what it says in chapter 8. Judges 8, verse 22. Then the men of Israel said to Gideon, Rule thou over us, both thou and thy son, and thy son's son also, for thou hast delivered us from the hand of Midian. And Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, neither shall my son rule over you. What does he say? The Lord shall rule over you. That was God's plan. God wanted to stay on the throne. But we're quick to pull God off the throne and establish our own thoughts, our own opinions. And Gideon was right because look what happened next. And Gideon said to them, as soon as he said, the Lord shall reign over you, then he said, verse 24, Gideon said to them, I would desire a request of you that you would give me every man the earrings of his prey. And they did, verse 27. And Gideon made an ephod thereof, put it in the city, even in Ophrah. And all Israel went thither, a-whoring after it. You know why you need God as your king? You know why you need God on the throne? Because naturally, we, have a men we were born with a mental problem. It's called human reasoning. Go with me to Isaiah 55. What is the predominant problem with doing that which is right in your own eyes. Isaiah 55 verse 8 tells us the problem. Well, pastor, aren't you concerned that, that if we hold a certain standard, if we go a certain way, if we preach the truth, then we're going further and farther and further away from the world, there's going to reach a point where we won't be able to reach the world. I don't believe that for a second. I believe the power of the gospel can reach any man, anywhere, at any time. Oh, Pastor, you're not in step with the world. No, I'm going a totally different direction. I don't want to be in step with the world. God's not in step with this world. Look what it says in Isaiah 58, 
55, verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Have you ever noticed reading God's word that your thoughts were not God's thoughts and God's thoughts were not your thoughts? And here's the problem with doing that which is right in your own eyes. There's almost a guarantee that it's going to be the wrong thing. Oh, man is so convinced this is the right thing. How many times I've talked to people, you can see the adamant determination in their eyes, Pastor, I'm going to do this, and it's the right thing. And I'm sitting there thinking, nope, it's not. But I, why waste my time? Why answer the question? Why say something to the contrary? They're totally 100% convinced. Why? Pastor, why would you tell me no? Because God's word says something different and God is always right. He's just always right. I wouldn't fight it. I wouldn't debate it. He is just always right. And God's thoughts are not our thoughts and God's ways are not our ways. We think differently than the Almighty does. Eve thought she was right and she was so, so wrong. And then you just see a chain of people, person after person, Lot, who lifted up his eyes and saw the wealth of that city and thought it's going to help my family and it's going to help us financially and it's going to help us in a million ways. And he, in his mind, had convinced himself he was right in going that direction. Abraham had given him the option. But as we know now in hindsight, he was so wrong. And Abram, when he sat down with Sarah and talked about what to do next, and Sarah mentioned Hagar, and he went and took Hagar as a wife, both of them at that moment were convinced they were doing the right thing. Totally convinced. Didn't take them long to figure out that was the wrong thing to do. What about Saul when he went out? God told him to utterly destroy that city and he went out and saved the best few sheep few oxen the king and uh, he found out he was really really wrong but convinced in his mind he's trying to convince the prophet of God he's trying to convince Samuel no I did the right thing you don't understand. And Samuel said, I do understand. You did the wrong thing. No, I promise. I have a pure heart. I'm sincere. I saved only the best. I obeyed almost entirely the command. Be careful. Because logic and a gut feeling and human reasoning and an emotion and enlightenment don't mean that you're doing the right thing. How many ever did what you thought was the right thing convinced? Those of you that are a little older with a little bit of hindsight, how many can look back on your life and say, I knew I was doing the right thing. And hindsight said, wow, that was really the wrong thing to do. But you would have adamantly argued. You would have debated any man, anywhere, anytime over the fact that you knew you were convinced, you were guided by the Holy Spirit, led of God. There's only one problem. God never leads anyone to do anything contrary to the word of God. Man, in this day and age, I'm not con 
concerned about the world doing that which is right in their own eyes. I'm concerned about Christians who are 100% convinced they're doing the right thing. And they are doing the right thing. Pastor, am I doing the right thing? Absolutely. Are you convinced it's the right thing? Absolutely. So you're telling me, you can look me in the eye, that is the right thing to do. Absolutely. That is the right thing to do in your eyes. But I'm not talking about your eyes because that doesn't always mean there's a good reward. I want to know that it's the right thing in God's eyes. That's why he gave us this book. That's why I want to stay in this book. That's why I have one obligation, and that's to preach the word of God. And if you're not reading and studying and meditating, here's what you're going to see in Joshua chapter 1. In Judges, every man is doing that which is right in his own eyes. And it's chaos. It's apathy that leads to apostasy, and then the apostasy leads to anarchy, and it's absolute chaos because every man is doing that. They're not united, they're divided. They're not progressing, they're digressing. Why? Because every man has his own agenda. Every man is convinced in his own eyes, I am doing that which is right. And this is the darkest chapter in Israel's history. If you read the book of Judges and some of the stories, it turns my stomach what they did, and they didn't just do it with a criminal mindset. They actually did it convinced they were doing the right thing. Did you know people have thrown their babies to the crocodiles? Convinced they were doing the right thing? People have punctured their faces with sharp objects and pierced their bodies thinking they were pleasing their God. And today, in Austin, all across this city, there are people doing the wrong thing, convinced they're doing the right thing, whether that's in a bar. And now, Christians, here's the point we've reached. Things that are blatantly spoken against in the Word of God. You know what? If you don't like the subject, you won't find it in Scripture. So if you want to be immodest, you won't find modesty in the scripture. If you want to drink, you won't find the prohibition of alcohol in the scripture. If you want to listen to sensual, worldly music, you will not find it prohibited in the scripture because you don't want to see that. You, how many Christians are doing the wrong thing, convinced they're doing that which is right because... They want to establish himself as a final authority. Now, here's why this is so severe. Go with me to Jeremiah chapter 10. This is a direct attack on the authority of God. Here's what man wants to do. Man wants to be the final authority. If God is the final authority and he's written a book, then I have to submit to this book. You know what doing that which is right in your own eyes is? It's an attack on the inspiration and preservation of God's holy word. Why do you think everywhere you go this book is under attack? 
I'm not talking about secular universities. I'm talking about in Christian colleges, this book is under attack. I'm talking about it in the pulpits of independent fundamental Baptist churches across this nation, Bible churches, Methodist, Pentecostal, Catholic churches. I don't care what denomination you're from. This book is under attack and they're attacking the inspiration and the preservation because man wants or denomination wants to declare themselves as the final authority. You can do that which is right in your own eyes as long as you're the final authority, as long as you can correct the word of God and say, well, you know what that really means in the Hebrew or the Greek? You don't know the Hebrew or the Greek. And the scripture is of no private interpretation. Scripture interprets scripture. And I don't think you're qualified to be an expert on scripture if you haven't even read this book five times. But here's what we don't like. Jeremiah 10, 23 says, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. O Lord, correct me. How many truly would pray with a sincere heart and say, I know I have a brain. That brain is naturally humanistic because you're a human. You're born with human DNA. I don't care what they told you in the public school. You did not come from a monkey. You came from your mother, and your mother came from her mother, and her mother came from her mother, and her mother came from Eve, and Eve came from God. So there's no monkey involved, and you have a very clear, functional brain, and that brain is naturally humanistic. And the only way to correct that is to get in the Word of God and say, God, it's not in me to direct my steps. I need you to direct me. Now, when we do that which is right in our own eyes, now this is a very common thing, even among Christians, and more common as we get closer to the last days, we know the direction, not just our countries are headed or this nation is headed, but Christianity in general is headed towards a great, and is falling into a great apostasy. And that apostasy is caused by every man doing that which is right in his own eyes. And using the scripture to justify it. The very scripture that person doesn't read, they're using to justify their wrongdoing. Now, here's the problem. When you do that which is right in your own eyes, you're, you have to attack the inspiration and the preservation. Otherwise, you're saying, God inspired this book. Do you, do you know, Psalms 119, 89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is established in heaven. So it's, if it's been established forever in heaven, it should be established forever in my heart. If it's good enough for heaven, and heaven only allows that which is perfect to exist, that means this book is perfect. It was divinely inspired, given to man. And here's what Satan, here's where he always starts. He starts getting you to doubt the word of God. And doing that which is right in your own minds means that you have made yourself superior to all the rest. Here's the thing. When you go down this path, everyone in Israel felt superior, morally superior to the rest. That book doesn't make me morally superior. It makes me morally inferior. 
because I see what I am and what, what God wants to do in me and how he wants to change me, what he wants to cleanse and purify. And that's why we believe in sanctification. That's why we believe that we're predestined to be conformed to the image of God's dear son because we have a Holy Spirit that's trans constantly trying to transform us and conform us, not to this world, but to the image of his dear son. But here's what happens. When we are lifted up in pride, we put ourselves on the throne as the final authority. And then whatever I say is right, now, officially decreed by me, the big me, the big cheese, the man on the throne. That's right. Is that right or wrong? That's right. How do you know? That's right in my own eyes. So Christians have began to sort through this book piece by piece, command by command, verse by verse, principle by principle. Whatever I don't like, whatever I, doesn't fit my lifestyle, whatever I don't agree with, I'm going to totally block that. I can't simply see. It doesn't matter if it's a principle found in 45 of the 66 books. It, it does not matter because I now am the one that's establishing what is right and what is wrong. What's Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 saying? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and what? Lean not unto thine own understanding in all thy ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. This is why situation ethics are so prevalent in our churches. People that when they got married did not believe in divorce, but now that marriage has become difficult, they'll find a verse to justify divorce because they're doing that which is right in their own eyes. People that used to be faithful to church get unfaithful because now they'll take something they found, a comment, human reasoning, or sometimes even a phrase in the scripture to justify their wrongdoing, whether that's an R-rated movie, using tithe to pay bills, dating an unsafe person, you name it, at any point, listen, when you have this philosophy, you can justify anything you want to do when you establish this mindset, this philosophy. Every man did that which was right in his own Eyes. Proverbs 12, 15 says, The way of the fool is right in his own eyes. That puts you in a scary category. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Proverbs 21, 22, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. Proverbs 16, 2, All the ways of man are clean in his own eyes. There's only one problem. What Proverbs say? Be not wise in thine own eyes. You know what happened because of their pride? 250 years, what did Israel do? Cycle after cycle, seven times they did that which was wrong. They were uh, put into slavery by their enemies, conquered, and they cried out to God, and God would send them a judge, and that judge would prevail, and... Uh, free them from their enemies, and they would do good for a little while, and 250 or 300 years of that cycle. Why? Because in their pride, they never learned their lesson. Do you think at some point they would look back and say, boy, you know this whole cycle we're going through, this whole thing that we're suffering, it's just not smart. 
Young people, don't wait for experience to grow wise. Well, you're going to have a lot of bruises and scrapes and scars and bad memories. Here's what wisdom does. Don't go beat your head against the wall. Don't go wreck and crash and mess up and ruin your life. Why don't you, now listen, why don't you watch people as they take different paths and fast forward to when they're 50? Don't fast forward to 30. 30 doesn't mean they've paid the full consequence or received the full reward of their action. Fast forward to 50. You know what I do? I want to look at 50-year-olds and say, those that have been successful, those are the ones I want to imitate. What have you done? And here's what I've seen. These men that we've brought in, these are men that have stayed true to the Word of God. They've not done that which is right in their own eyes, but they've done that which is right in God's eyes. Reap the reward. And I say, boy, that's something I want in my life, in my marriage, in my kids, in my ministry. Here's, here's what you'll have. You'll have these kids. Look at someone that's 22. Well, look at him. He's fine. For now. Give him a decade. Yeah, show me his marriage in 10 years. Show me his kids in 20 years. Show me his life or his wife. They can't comprehend what's around the corner. So fast forward and say, okay, let's go take a look at people that have taken that path and that are 48, not 28. Go look at their marriage and their kids and their grandkids and their bank accounts and their problems and then you tell me about how great of a path that was. If you fast forward in Israel's history, you'll see cycle after cycle after cycle of pain and destruction, and they're crying out, and they're saying, we took the wrong path. Save us, God. And he would, because he's merciful and patient and loving and kind, and he would save them. And here's what's funny. Even despite the mess they made, he'd send a woman with a nail and a glass of milk. A judge with the jawbone of a donkey. That's how little God needs to rectify any situation. A woman with a rock on the top of a wall. God said, that's all I need, and I'll solve this problem. But I know you, in another 50 years, you'll be down the same trail doing that which is right. Why is man caught in these cycles? Because man has a DNA that's human. And you have to fight it every day. Just because you've been saved for 20 years doesn't mean you won't have this problem. This means it doesn't matter how long you're saved, you have to fight it with your kids, and then you have to fight it with your grandkids. You have to fight it today, and then you have to fight it 20 years down the road from now because even though you've been this long in the Word and this long in church, you still deal with a human nature that's trying constantly to climb onto the throne. So here's the real question. Do you want God as king? Because they were bound and determined not to have God as king. And eventually... 
Although God said, let me give you prophets and let me give you priests and let me give you judges, at some point they just didn't want it anymore and they said, just give us a king, and he did. Well, we saw how that turned out. It just didn't turn out. Israel had 21 kings and never had a good one after the divided kingdom. The real question is, do you want God and are you willing to say, God, I want you on the throne. Be careful. Because God is a dictator when on the throne. And that's what we don't like. God is holy and God is just and God is pure and God is clean. And when he's on the throne, he says, don't, don't do that. That's why we don't like him on the throne. There's some do's and there's some don'ts. But all of life has some do's and don'ts, right? You know what you tell your kids? Don't play in the street. Don't lay on the yellow line. Don't gargle with Clorox. Don't drink joy, because it doesn't produce joy. You're not going to eat ice cream for breakfast. Yes, you're going to wear shoes to school. Right? There are do's and don'ts, because you know, now that child is convinced that you're the Grinch. But everything you do is in his favor. God says, everything I'm doing is in your favor. So really it boils down to this. Very few Christians actually want God on the throne. 